Every article should be amended. It's, it's a piece of shit. He don't protect people. He don't. He will not uh, um, exclude organized crime for for in in the production. So everyone, I think most of senators said that that bill has been written very badly. That was Conservative Senator Boisvenot saying it like it is about a pot bill he ended up voting against. And in the uh, end, the House of Sober Second Thought passed Bill C-45 on second reading. And there was a lot of scrambling and a lot of tension today, as many had believed it might be defeated. I guess most assumed the Senate would simply rubber stamp everything that comes their way. But no, those independent senators, not so independent after all. So the vote ended up being 44 to 29. Uh, But the argument was very clear for those who voted against it. The bill just simply does not stand up to scrutiny. Accusing the government of ramming it through after ragging the puck for three years. And it's not like they use that language, but I am using that language because that's what they did. And they put it through and it was sloppy. I want to bring in Senator Leo Housakis to this conversation because he is a conservative senator who uh, is from Quebec and who voted against the bill. Thanks for joining us, Senator. Thank you for having me on, Alex. All right. So you're going to be looked at as the bad guy and uh, the obstructionist. You're part of the obstructionists who didn't want this bill passed. How, uh, you know, is that is that fair? Well, that's the rhetoric you hear from the liberal uh, Trudeau government. But at the end of the day, I I hope that I'm the senator who stood up on principle. And I hope that I was part of a group of senators that uh, take our constitutional obligation very seriously, in particular when it comes to taking care of future generations uh, of Canadians. And this was a bill that the government put forward. Clearly, it's a political agenda. Clearly, this is amongst many lists of politically motivated promises they made last election to carve out certain constituencies to get votes, which is fine. That's what the House of Commons does. It's all about trying to win elections. But we in the Senate have an obligation to look at legislation from an independent point of view, make sure the legislation is is, is really sitting on strong foundations. Uh, and in this particular instance, and it's in my 10 years in the Senate, I've never seen a piece of legislation come here so hastily put together. Uh, there's been no data, <clears throat> no scientific data to support the premise that this government has that marijuana use amongst young people is the highest in the world. They keep making that claim, but we're having a hard time substan- substantiating that with evidence. Just a few weeks ago, Health Canada announced, and imagine this, mm-hmm. they announced a, a scientific review using wastewater treatment centers across Canada to measure the amount of marijuana in the Canadian wastewater treatment system. And of course, it's a technology that's been around for over a decade, and it's, and it's quite relevant and useful, and it's been used in other jurisdictions. But imagine the government has tabled the legislation in the House, they passed it, now they want to ram it through as quickly as possible through the Senate, but yet all the scientific studies, instead of having done that over the last two years, they've just announced that they'll start that God knows when. So, I mean, talk about the irresponsibility of this government. They put together a task force a while back, and yes, they published the report on their work, but again, it's a task force that was mandated with a one-dimensional perspective. That perspective was, we want to legalize marijuana, rather than giving them a uh, multi-dimensional approach and say, hey, can you go out there and see what the various models are around the world in terms of dealing with marijuana use with with children? For example, Norway has the most success and have the lowest marijuana use amongst teenagers in the world. 
What model are they using? Mm-hmm. Uh, throw that in the equation so people in the legislation, legislature, either on the House side or the Senate side, we can conduct our work in a very uh, diligent fashion. So none of that particular data has been provided by the government. Quite the contrary. They seem to be cherry-picking um, information and statistics in order to support their narrative. Uh, and ultimately, when the task force went across the country, they must have heard every police chief across the country saying that there isn't a single force in the country ready to launch yeah. right now. They ignored that. They did, did they go to Colorado and look at that jurisdiction and look at that Colorado in the last couple, couple of years, ever since they legalized marijuana, has had a spike in fatal accidents on their highways because the police don't know how to monitor, how to police, and how to measure people that are high behind the wheel. These are just some, some of the questions, and I can go on. The lists are endless. I've never seen a government be so negligent in doing the preliminary work required when they put the legislation together. I don't have a particular issue with decriminalization of, of marijuana, but I do want it done right because it's a huge change, a huge shift. And if you get it wrong, it could actually be, I think, very, uh, very dangerous. As you say, there are also a number of municipalities that have said we don't want it here because we can't, as you say, we can't police it and we can't afford to make sure that it's done properly. What was your, um, you know, your major concerns with the way the bill is presented to you? What do you think is going to come back to maybe haunt the government? Look, the first concern is, uh, is number one, the government talks about we're going to start educating young people on, on the, the dangers of using marijuana. Well, why haven't we started two and a half years ago? Yeah. Why are they waiting for the bill to, 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 to pass? Why are you starting a fire and explosions all over the place and then you're calling the fire department? It makes no sense. You sensitize people, you educate people, you start a campaign in advance. We've had great success in sensitizing uh, Canadians on the, uh, the detriments of using tobacco, for example, but we invested time and effort. So why are we starting with that? Uh, that's one problem I have with it. Another problem is you talk to any pediatrician anywhere in the world, there's not a single one that will tell you that this uh, narcotic won't cause psychosis to anybody who uses it for an extended period of time between the ages of 1 and 24. Mm -hmm. So this bill encourages people between the ages of 18 and 24 to use marijuana. The moment you you legitimize it, you make it legal, and then invariably you're going to have a spike in use because people are going to say, well, it's fine, let's try it. And, and, And we all know, of course, what comes with that? It, it is just, it makes absolutely no sense. And I had an open mind. I had an open mind to hear out what we need to do in order to deal with the criminal element. I had an open mind in terms of the fact that we want to find ways to, to, to reduce the use amongst young people. But if this government, on the one hand, saying that's the objective, on the other hand, they're not listening to all the stakeholders, the Canadian Medical Association, the Association of Pediatricians, the, the chiefs, the Aboriginal leaders who yeah. have a major crisis amongst their young people in the country with not only marijuana, opioid, and all sorts of other uh, drugs, and they think by, by just legitimizing this, we're achieving something, I, I, have, I have deep reservations. Well, and those First Nations leaders have already said, uh, look, we want our, our ability, we want the ability to have our own taxation powers on it. So I think there are still many, many more issues that are going to uh, stand up to this government. But were there, I mean, these independent senators... Um, I understand Mr. Uh, MP uh, Bill Blair was there shaking hands with uh, independent senators after the vote took place. Were there any of those independent senators? Uh, did any of them have concerns uh, that they wanted to maybe vote against but couldn't? That's another major issue in this whole exercise. As you know, everyone keeps the prime minister today at a press conference uh, made a comment about the Senate has an obligation to pass this. This has been an electoral promise of the prime minister. Yeah. Well, the prime minister in the last election had another electoral promise. He said that he wanted to reform the Senate 
Senate. He wanted a Senate that is rigorous. He wanted a Senate that was independent. He wanted a Senate that was free of the House of Commons and any pressure from the executive branch of government. And I quote, I will name independent merit senators who will be free to judge legislation appropriately. Well, clearly he broke that promise today because they whipped every single one of the Trudeau-appointed senators who throughout the last few weeks have stood in the House and stood in the Senate and had as, as much reservation about this, this, this bill as each and, every, each and every conservative senator did. They, they articulated their concern, they articulated their reservations about the bill, and each and every one of them stood up today like trained seals and, and were whipped by the prime minister clearly to support a bill they know in their heart is flawed. So the other sad element of all this is we have a bunch of senators who were appointed by the prime minister. They've been carrying on the charade of being politically independent from the executive branch of government, non-affiliated, but yet they did today what I would clearly, when you listen to their rhetoric, they went clearly against their principles. And as far as I'm concerned, they are negligent because they are really, really, really uh, going against their constitutional obligation to provide sober second thought, not at the interest of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party, but in the interest of Canadians that we represent. Quickly, before I let you go, I've only got about a minute left. Uh, are there any amendments that can be put forth that would be adopted? Alex, the problem, the problem with that is we have a short period of time. The government has put so much pressure. There's five legislative weeks left in the Senate before we rise for the summer. Uh, and this bill has so many, uh, so, many, so many weaknesses, it's hard to overcome that in a four or five or six week period. Above and beyond what I've outlined, I'll give you another example. We are part and parcel signatories of a bunch of UN agreements on, on uh, drug policy, international drug policy. Mm-hmm. This government has taken no steps to deal with that. How will our international partners view those agreements in Canada as a signatory when we have not even dealt with that? The government has not even gone before the courts to see what kind of repercussions this is going to have because there'll be a ton of lawsuits when you have a pileup of accidents of people driving high in this country yeah. and people getting killed. How much of how many billions of dollars is that going to cost the federal government? Well, you know, uh, I guess we'll find out. And if this was politically worth it, uh, we'll find out. And if it was a political disaster... That will also show uh, in the next little while. But I do appreciate you so much joining us. Thank you so much. That is Senator Leo Hisakis today joining, uh, of course, us after the vote, uh, 44 to 29, on the second reading of this pot bill. So it is, in fact, uh, goes through. It's still got to go through a few more steps, but it should be in place. And uh, if it's great, the liberals will be credited with it. If it's a disaster, they own this all on their own. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.